Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, also keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. That's your source of information about all things related to wellness, positive psychology, rejuvenating, my own spin on things that I call goal-achieving psychology. And it's also a place where you can recommend guests for future podcasts. As listeners to the podcast know, I'm very proud of the quality of the guests that we've been able to bring to you, people who lead their own lives in an enthusiastic manner and have different ways of helping us to lead our lives enthusiastically and become best versions of ourselves throughout the lifespan. And we have a really special guest in this regard whose work will be particularly meaningful to many of the listeners. Gary Serac is a 40-year veteran of the financial services industry and owner of Serac Financial Services in Canton, Ohio. He has worked with hundreds of clients, advising them and preparing them for the financial side of retirement, listening to their stories and experiences. Gary realized that retirement is not just for the financial about the financial side of things. In addition to offering real life plans, Gary has written three books, The American Dream Revisited, if your money could talk, or if your money talked, what secrets would it tell? And his most recent one, and particularly relevant for us, is how to retire and not die. That sounds like much better than the alternative. So we want to find out why, Gary, it's such a pleasure to have you join Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Thanks for being here. Uh, what a pleasure, Ron. I'm very much looking forward to talking with you. So thanks for the invite. Great. I'm sure that we're going to get real educated today. And I guess I'd like to start with the fact that I could probably get hundreds of financial services people, planners, and so on to be in this field and tell people about their money and retirement and so on. I think you have kind of a unique approach to it that makes you special in this field. Can you tell us a little bit about it, which I guess is kind of the basis of your book about how to retire and not die? I would love to, Ron. So I've been in this business 40 years. It's a family-owned business, uh, third generation. My nephew joined me 15 years ago. Uh, my father started in 1957. And as I was brought into the business, I realized that everybody focused on money. And at retirement, I would be in these meetings and I would listen to other people talk. And, and that was fine. But I also knew there was something really wrong with that picture. And, that, and what's wrong with the picture is money really matters. It's incredibly important, but it's not the most important thing. And what really is important is once you have the money figured out, what do you do with the rest of your life? Well, that's what separated me from other financial advisors, Ron. So every advisor I've ever met, and I mean every single one, is wired into dollars. 
How much money can we provide? What return do you get? Um, how big is our asset block? How much are they going to make? How much is the client going to make? I mean, I listen to all that stuff and I say, yeah, that's all well and good, but that's not really what retirement should be. And, and obviously it's important. you got to figure out the finances. you got to have a steady income and one you can live on or else you shouldn't retire. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But mostly what I realize is that no one is dealing with the rest of their life. So I decided that I just think it's more important, Ron. So I really decided that I'm going to approach this from the standpoint that if we work with the rest of your life, the money part will be fine. It's just how do you spend? And I call it running a marathon, living a marathon. It's a 26 year possibility. And, and my client age base actually is the average about 26 years is how long they live, which is actually over the norm. I found that out. Yeah, I actually have run into some issues with with some financial planners when I try and promote the idea of good health and there are things you can do to maintain good health, keeping your mind active and so on and live a much longer time. And uh, I've had both individuals and some of the people who are professionals in the field actually be concerned. Well, you know, we know they've got enough money if they die before they're 75 or something like that. But what happens now with the increasing lifespan? Don't we really have to worry about running out of money? Yes, it is a major concern. But if you're prudent with what you're doing and what you've done and you have Social Security, 401k and those things, you know, we we really try and figure out as close as I can get people to the income they're earning before they quit that I'm really happy with that because there's a bunch of things they pay for they didn't realize. And I just let them know that if you can live on this amount of money, you're okay, then you need to focus on the rest of your life. And, and that's really how I go with it, Ron. It, it, it doesn't always work. And I will tell you, there's a bunch of people who have come in and said, hey, I want to retire. And I said, yeah, for about two years. And then you got to go back to work. And they said, what do you mean? I said, you don't have any money to retire. You need to go back to work. And they said, well, I don't want to work full time. I said, perfect, work part time which by the way, comes in my book also. I, I do talk about part-time work because I do think it's really important. It's important financially, but it's really important mentally and emotionally and physically. There's a whole bunch of stuff that work brings us that we discount. And I, and I don't think it should be taken lightly, Ron. Yeah, well, I can certainly agree being past the normal retirement age and continuing to work. There's a lot of things going on in my life that I wouldn't trade for anything. But when I mean, this sounds like tremendous advice, but when you talk about focusing on the other things other than money, what are these other things? Okay, so the book, it's called How to Retire and Not Die, The Three P's That Will Keep You Young. And the three P's, and my son and I wrote that, by the way, he's 40. He lives in Colorado, Keystone, Colorado, up in the mountains. And we wrote this book over about a two and a half year period, a two and a half year period of time we did this. The three P's stand for purpose, passion and a plan. And purpose is what you do for other people. Passion's what you do for yourself. And the plan is how you make it all work. And what I found is my most successful retired people have all three of those ingredients, Ron. They're doing all three. They've got a purpose. They know what that is. Maybe it's doing meals on wheels. Maybe it's working at a I have one lady that works at Starbucks. She just loves, and she's no youngster, and she's at Starbucks hanging out with all these kids doing drinks. And that blows me away. I couldn't do that. But, you know, it's just interesting, but she likes it. And she's really into that. 
passion, what you do for yourself. I find that to be critically important. I, I have a lot of people, actually physicians, Ron, very interesting. And a lot of physicians have spent their whole life doing stuff for other people and almost nothing for themselves. It's quite a mind switch when you get them to flip that switch and say, oh, I should be doing something for me. Yes. You've been doing this for you know 40 years. Why don't you try shifting gears and doing something for you? And then the plan is most important at all, because if you have purpose and passion and not a plan, you're stuck. So you really do need all three. And the planning part of it is just how do you spend your days? I, I ask a question, Ron. I had a couple in this week and they're retiring in January. And I said, okay, please tell me how you're going to spend your first day. And he popped something off real fast. I said, okay, how about your first week? Great there. I said, tell me about your first month. Uh, not so good. I said, okay, how about your first year? Completely dead silence. Hmm. I said, your plan is a one week plan. I said, you need to have more than one week because you could be in the planet a long time. Wow. That's really quite remarkable to think in those terms. And I guess, so what does uh, a plan actually look like? I mean, is it a detailed week by week thing? Is it in kind of a broad outline? What you know, I, I know that you spend a lot of time with individuals on the plan, so we need the, the Cliff Notes version, but but what's the plan <laughs> yeah. kind of come out looking like? The Cliff Notes are pretty easy because really what it does is, and I'm a big guy with three things. I, I want to do three things a day. And, and when I started in the business, that meant maybe meeting someone for breakfast, maybe meeting them for lunch and having an appointment in the afternoon, having some sort of conversation. And I've been a big fan of three things a day. And so when I talked to my, my clients and we, and we discussed the plan, I said, I want you to look at five days a week. I want you to have three things to do five days a week. I said, two days, no, don't worry about that because those are the weekends, but we're gonna treat your five days with a plan. And I said, and if the weekend comes into play, that's great, but we're not going to worry about that. I want you to have something, a reason to get up in the morning, somewhere to go, something to do, somebody to see, something that has to happen in your life. And one person said, well, I go to the grocery every Tuesday. I said, perfect. That's in your plan. Someone else said, well, I go down and I meet my friends for coffee on Thursdays. I said, great. That's part of your plan. I said, I don't care what your plan is. And someone else said, well, I have a golf league two days a week. I said, you have two of your days figured out because those are long plans. I said, in the way she played, probably a lot longer. She wasn't very good, but she had a hell of a lot of fun, Ron. So that's that's the plan. It's just really figuring out why do you get up in the morning and, and what can you do? And I, I have another one. She sits her grandchildren two days a week. So her two days are loaded. The other three days, she didn't have a clue. So we had to figure out what do you do for the other three days? Yeah, that's wonderful advice. I guess I'm wondering as I hear it, some things in the plan build in more accountability than others. In other words, a, a grandparent, if they're responsible for their grandkids, will do it. There possibly are some things that uh, are totally dependent on yourself, whether you're going to exercise, read, uh, make some social connections or whatever it may be. Is there any way that the person builds accountability into the plan so that they'll they'll follow through with it? Because I'm sure it's easy to come up with a plan. Well, not necessarily easy, but easier to come up with a plan than to keep doing it. I think those of us who aren't retired find that, you know, just generally too, there are a lot of things we plan to do that we don't follow through with. But uh, retirement, it sounds like, is, is kind of like a job so that 
Except there's no boss that you're accountable to. You're your own boss. You're you're accountable to yourself. Ron, you hit that right on the head. It is its own job. I, I mean, and and you hit it right on the head. As far as being accountable, I've always been accountable for myself. I, I've always looked at what I did in my life that at the end of the week, I would look at my week and say, that was a good week. I did X, X, X. And, and I celebrate my wins, by the way. So one of the things for accountability, Ron, is in my book, I build this thing in where you celebrate your wins. For me, celebrating a win can be going to get a mocha at a coffee shop. It can be getting a hot fudge milkshake at a place that I like to go. It could be just something as simple as that. Some nights, if I have a really good day, I'll come back and make an old fashioned. Those are good win things. But maybe I'll take my wife to dinner somewhere. We'll do something. But I try and celebrate my weeks. And when I have wins and wins to me are when I accomplish the three things I want to do, I acknowledge that and I kind of pat myself on the background. Great, great. I love the idea of three because three is manageable. It's hard to get overwhelmed with three things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's also a number that you can kind of easily set up or plan things as opposed to, to feeling overloaded. So that, that really is great. So I'm wondering, with, with all this in mind, assuming that the money is there, how should a person decide whether they should retire, when to retire, whether to do things like some of us that, who've chosen not to retire, not always with a great plan, but uh, what what should go into the decision making regarding this? Well, I always ask clients, and I and I mean always, Ron. They come in and they say, "Oh, I'm going to retire." I said, "Well, can I ask you a question?" I said, "Sure." I said, "Why are you retiring?" And they say, "What do you mean?" I said, "No, that's a pretty simple question. What is motivating your retirement?" Oh, I hate my job. I said, "Okay, I get that." I love my job, but I'm already 65 and, and it's getting harder. And, and actually in my book, I have a whole list of excuses why people retired. Some excuses, some funny, some are just, you know, just their their answer, which I wrote down and said, oh, I'll use that later. But the reality of it is a lot of people get a whole lot of social interaction from work. It's actually quite healthy for you because you get to communicate with people. You get your brain working. You have to think you have to do something. So work you know, we give work a hard time, but I'm not sure that that should always be that way, Ron. I, I think we mistreat work in some ways, if that doesn't sound too strange. Work can be very valuable. So part-time work is good. I looked at retiring for people. It depends how they answer that question. Some people are just so adamant and I want to get, I'm done. Other people come in and say, well, I don't really want to quit, but I don't know what else to do, but I'm getting older and and I'd like to not work so hard. And, and so that's kind of the way it goes. It really spins from definitely want to quit to, boy, I really love this. I'm passionate about it and I keep wanting to do it. So it's why you do what you do and why I do what I do. We're both of an age we could have quit. I choose not to because I actually have fun doing what I do some days, most days. Yeah, we're fortunate if, if we're doing something that we enjoy. And I know least in my case, working in a university, a lot of us are, are past the normal retirement age, but being able to be in touch with and relevant to younger people is a pretty good thing. I, I always said if I, when I do retire, I'd like to retire by a college camp mm-hmm. because I like college students. I like the way they think. I like the activities they have, at least the ones I can understand. And I like what goes around, you know, the, the music and all the stuff that arts, the theater. To me, that's a, a great place to retire. Yeah, and actually some colleges are taking advantage of that and building <laughs> in uh, 
some senior housing near there, offering opportunities for people to take courses and and so on. So it's uh, it's a real reasonable way to to look at it. What is the the concept of when you have a plan? What should a perfect retirement look like? Everybody's retirement is so different. So I, I you know, it's funny. I, I had someone in the other day. We discussed exactly what a perfect retirement plan is, and I said, "Well, my plan is not going to be perfect for you." And he said, why do you say that? I said, because what you like to do and what I like to do are very different. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, you love to fish. He said, yeah. I said, I don't like to fish. I said, I like eating them. I just don't like catching them and doing all that other stuff. So we went through this whole thing. He doesn't play golf. I play golf. I love to read. He hasn't read a book in 10 years. So, you know, the things that some people really want to do are different. I, I have a man that just retired. I love this guy because I'm a Cleveland Indians baseball fan, although they're going to become the Cleveland Guardians soon. But I've been a Cleveland Indians fan for 50 years. This guy is literally 60 years, actually, Ron. This man is going around the country to follow the Indians, who will be the Guardians next year. And he's buying tickets at different stadiums when they come out. And that's what he's going to do for his first year of retirement. He's just going to travel part of the country. And he's going to do the East Coast and then the middle and then the West. And I mean, it's really pretty fun. To me, that's his retirement. Now, I wouldn't want to do that, but I love baseball, but I don't think I want to go to all those cities and do that. Well, uh, that sounds like it'd be interesting, but I don't know if a full season of that would uh, would appeal to me. But again, as you said, people are different. Um, yes. So is there some place where people who are doing well retirement-wise exist, or, or if you wanted to get a role model or something like that, is there such a thing? Because, you know, I, I recognize it's a very individual thing, but I can see among my peers that there are, if you ask one of my friends what retirement is like, and they'll talk about boredom and just lying around, and there aren't enough good TV shows in the daytime and stuff like that. And I've got others who are volunteering at different places and, you know, really exciting have traveled and so on. Obviously during COVID we've had a few adjustments to make, but it's so different. And it's almost like, I remember um, when I was trying to decide on a career and early in the college days, I, I remember very specifically, uh, I had thought a little bit about architecture, and I talked to someone who said, well, yeah, it's a great career if you don't want to make much money and you're going to uh, do that. He had lots of different things, despite the fact that buildings are still being built. I assume that there, there are people who are creatively enjoying the field. And I wonder if the same thing applies to retirement. Is there some way you can where, where you can get advice? particularly if you don't live in Canton, Ohio? Well, I, I stumbled across this years ago and it was just, there was a gentleman who sold his company, was a client of my father's many years ago and he retired and he retired at about age 50. And he still was busy doing things and he had an office downtown, but I would see him periodically at lunch, sometimes at breakfast when I would go out. And I finally said, could we have lunch one day? And he said, sure, and his name was Ed. And I sat down with Ed and I interviewed him. I didn't know I was interviewing him, but I just asked him, how did you retire at this age? What do you do? How do you occupy your time? I was just kind of working through this in my brain at the time. And he said, Gary, he said, I figured out what makes me happy during the day. 
and I do the things that make me happy. He said, I like to read the paper. I pick up two newspapers, I go to my office, I get a really good cup of coffee and I read the paper. And then I come here for lunch and I meet some people for lunch. We do some conversations. Sometimes there's business involved because of investments or whatever. And he said, and then at night, I like to do something else. And he, and he said, we love to travel. And I looked at him, I said, you know, you have like the perfect retirement for you. And, and what I realized is that he's a retirement mentor. And, that, and I actually have referred some people to him to talk about their retirement because they were kind of similar to him. And I said, this guy's got it right. I think he'll have a conversation with you. So what I recommend is for people to look for someone who is actually retired in a way that they thought they were very happy, very successful. And they would ask them, if, you know, if would you tell me your secrets? Because there are secrets to it. There's ways to do this and things to do. And I have found that to be a really good conversation, Ron. I, I just think it worked. It was with Ed, and I've really found that to be a good conversation all the way around. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. The, the trick is to make sure that you're finding somebody who enjoys what they're doing, because I think otherwise you're going to get a, a very biased thing. And, and certainly, you know, there are issues that can contribute to, to making it a, a not great in retirement. So that, that's great advice. Retirement mentor. Don't think I've heard of that before. And, and Ron, there's something else that goes with it. And I call it the retirement mindset. And, and the retirement mentors that I like are the ones that have the right mindset. I mean, they're passionate about their retirement. They're passionate about what they're doing, whatever that is. And they've got the right framework. I, I mean, I have people come in here sometimes and they're just so down in the dumps and bored and, and frustrated and, and all the things that can be wrong in life. And I have other people come in and they light up the whole room. And you look at the people that light up the room and say, I want to be like that guy. I don't want to be them. In studying them and, and talking to them and asking a bunch of questions, because I'm massively curious, I just realized that they came into this with a different mindset than the people that came in negatively. And it's just fun to watch how they've taken their life and run with it. I have a guy that never hit a golf ball his whole life until he was 70. And he retired, I'm sorry, he's 65. He retired, had never played golf, thought it was the most boring thing in the world. But he went out with some guys and, and he was pretty terrible. And he said, listen, I'm going to get better at this. I'm going to take lessons. And he now plays twice a week and he has a great time. He said, you know, I'm just as bad as they are now. He said, I was terrible. Now I'm as bad as they are. He said, I'm having a lot of fun. He said, and by the way, Gary, once in a while I win money. I said, boy, they really are bad. Anyway, but, and his name's John and he laughs, but it, it's funny. He just looked at golf and said, what a great way for me to spend two days a week. He said, it takes a bunch of time. I'm with a bunch of nice people. And he said, and, and he's got a little golf group, never played for, you know, for 65 years of his life until then. But he had the right mindset. He didn't go out with a negative attitude. He said, yeah, I'm going to do this. I have another guy that got into woodworking, which I, I, you know, I'm scared to death of woodworking. You're using saws and all kinds of things. I say, you got to be crazy. He got into it. Boy, he is really good. He's got an artistic side. He also wanted to be an architect, ended up being an attorney. But boy, he is talented. So I, I've seen some of his work and he's given me some presents and it's pretty fun. Great. I'd kind of mildly referred to retirement as kind of a job, but the, it's some of the same things that seem to operate in terms of being successful at work, the mindset and so on, that seem to be major contributors to how you're going to na uh, navigate retirement. Gary, I'm intrigued by the title, How to Retire and Not Die. And the first thing I thought about was 
some of these people that I know that generally didn't like their jobs were looking forward to retirement. And then uh, maybe a year, maybe less, sometimes a little more, they actually did either get really sick or, and for all practical purposes, died, or they actually did die. I think that's a coincidence, or is there something behind that? No coincidences. I 100% agree with you, Ron. I think there is something behind it. I can tell you one of the saddest stories of people I know, friend-wise, this lady was president of a bank, very successful woman. And she knew she was retiring at 65. And all she'd ever done her whole life is, is really tell people what to do and, and, and do what she is doing. And she made a boatload of money. I mean, she's a really successful person. The day she retired, uh, was the day that her doctor called her and said, you need to come in and see me. And it turns out for a year, this woman was dreading retirement, Ron. I, I mean, she just mentally, she had to retire. The bank program said you had to retire at 65, end of the story. And so she knew she could not figure out what she was going to do. And it just troubled her so much. And she tried different things. And again, she was a very driven woman and, and she didn't take no for an answer. So she was tough but she couldn't figure it out. And literally six months later, I went to her funeral. Wow. And I really believe that she passed away because she couldn't figure out what to do with the rest of her life. And she looked around and said, I don't like this. This isn't the way I've been. I don't know how you check out like that, but Ron, she did. I, I've had so many people. I really wrote the book and called it that because I got tired of going to their funerals or visiting them in nursing homes or hospitals. And you know, I, those are not places I like to visit. And I'm seeing successful people, friends of mine for years, and they just have no clue. And they retire and they're gone. I mean, one of my, one of my really good friends started his social security six months and he was gone. And, I, and I, it was just sad. And again, I, so I look at this, obviously health comes into play, but there's a lot more than health coming into play here, I think. Yeah, it's really terrible stories. So uh, since I'm obviously positive oriented and prevention oriented, when should a person start thinking about this whole retirement issue? And uh, are there things that they can start putting in place before the day that they retire? Oh, yeah. Great question. So it's funny. I, I tell people, you better take this very serious at 55 because you got 10 years, 12 years, whatever that is, you know, with Social Security Day. OK, maybe, you know, 11 years. But but you've got a time frame here that's in front of you and you better start thinking about what this is going to look like, because I, I refer to work as climbing the mountain. You get to the top of the mountain, you plant your flag, you have your cold one, you're sitting back in your easy chair watching whatever you're watching. And then you realize, wait, I have 26 years to live. What am I going to do? So now you have this whole marathon thing you got to run. My problem is people don't really start planning that. So what I try and get them to do is put together what I call a wish list, Ron. And a wish list is nothing more than stuff that you wished you were doing, but were working so you couldn't. And on my wish list, I have 50 items the last time I checked. Now I crossed them out. I just hit one. I, I became an Amazon bestseller. That was my wish list thing. I said, whoa, I just did that. Okay, so that's off the list. And, and I add something else on when I think about it. But I have all kinds of travel and different things I want to do in my life. This book was a wish list book. I just wanted to, I thought, wow, I'm an English major. And I never really dreamed I would ever write books. And here I've written three. But this was definitely a wish list thing. So I look at my wish list as all the stuff I was so busy working I couldn't do, and now I have time I can start doing them. 
Now, some of them I can't do anymore because I'm a little older than I was when I wrote that down, but that's okay. That's really great advice. And it's kind of good to hear because I know when uh, I reached what would be kind of a normal retirement age and decided I didn't want to retire, my wife and I decided, well, at least we'll travel as if we were retired. And we've gotten to some places at, at our ages that a lot of people don't get to and that we hadn't in, in our life. And, and this hits home with me that if you have the wish list, whether you're retired or not retired and how you fit it in with, with your life to have that wish list and, and to not wait until it's too late to, to develop that list. So age 55 is, is the critical yeah. one. I think it is, Ron. When I get people to start thinking about retirement 55, when they're here at 66, 65, they got to figure it out. And I'll call them on it too. So once in a while, I'll have somebody come in and we're doing a review or something. I'll say, well, what's on your wish list? And they look at me and say, well, I got this going on. I got that going on. They, they took it serious, which made me happy. Well, I'm certain that uh, a lot of people listening have to admire the work that you're doing and haven't gotten this kind of advice anyplace else. Is there some way, well, first of all, is this something that can be done online? If Can people reach out to you or are, do people have state licenses or how do they, you know, I, other than do it yourself, which I think is, uh, you know, if you're competent, then, then that's probably a very legitimate kind of thing. But, uh, you know, particularly if people have a certain amount of money, if people have not given it a lot of thought. Um, number one, how can they be in touch with you if appropriate, or how do they find somebody who might be in a in a position to help? My website and on my information is GarySurak.com. I kept it really simple. <laughs> and uh, and I have people reaching out to me pretty often about things, and that has worked quite well. Also, I my book, this book has in really a simple way. And again, they're simple, but they're not, Ron. But inside this book, I give them real tools to figure this out. So I have a whole sheet on how you do a wish list, how you figure out your loves, your likes, and your hates. The worst thing in the world is you retire and you hate doing something and you're still doing it. And I'm thinking, why are you doing that? I don't own a lawnmower. I have never owned a lawnmower. I hate mowing grass. I will never own a lawnmower my entire life. I will be one person that went through an entire life and never bought a lawnmower. I'm good with that. But there are people that have things they, that are doing they shouldn't be doing. They can reach out. I can help them with this. I can lead them through how some of these tools really work. And I'm willing to do that because I, I take this very seriously. I, I just think, uh, you know, you don't get rich being an author. And that wasn't ever my intent. My intent was, how, how can I help a bunch of people? That would be really cool. Great. And that simple website, it's Gary Sirac, and that's spelled, well, we'll have it in the show notes. It's spelled S-I-R-A-K. So can't be much simpler. Nope. And obviously, it's a wonderful book. Uh, where can people order it? Uh, it's on Amazon, uh, on all the websites. It's on all the book sites. Uh, I just looked yesterday. It was on Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Amazon. Pretty much everybody's carrying it. And then we're also on our own website. If they decide they want to get one from me, I will personally sign it for them and send it to them. Okay, great. And that's the same website. Yes. GarySrack.com. And, and some people like Amazon. I'm good with that. I, it doesn't matter to me. But if they want my little signature, which they can't read, I'll be glad to do that for them. So. <laughs> great. Well, I mean, the advice has been tremendous. 
is there anything I should have asked you but didn't? I mean, I really feel like a semi-expert now having, having spoken with you. I made a bunch of notes, Ron. We hit every single one of them. You get every high point. The, the one thing I will say, it was really funny, and, and then we'll let it go. I, I sit down with clients, and I have them take a piece of paper and mark down two lines, and I put likes, loves, and hates. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start at hates. I want everything you hate to do that you're doing now. And I want you to write it down. That usually is a pretty long list, Ron. And then I say, okay, let's move to likes. Tell me the things you'd like to do and, and write those down. And that list is uh, reasonable. And I said, okay, tell me the things you'd love to do. And, and they think about it and they write those things down. And I said, okay, how many of these things are you doing in retirement? How many things are you set up to do? I said, because all these hates you need to get, well, I can't get rid of that. I said, yes, you can. I said, you just have to think through it. I said, you can say you can't get rid of it, but I'm not sure I agree 100% until we talk through it. And I would tell you, most of those people that have those hates get rid of most of them. They might get stuck with a couple of them. The likes and the loves, I said, if you just focus your retirement on those likes and loves, you will have a really good retirement. Well, along with everything else you've told us today, that's really wonderful advice and it's up to us to follow it. So Gary, it's been a, a real pleasure and it's been so informative having you as a guest on the podcast. You may have run out of notes, but I probably have a few more questions, so I can't promise we won't ask you back because uh, this has been really delightful and informative and kind of a new way of looking at planning for retirement, which we all should be doing because the goal of reaching retirement age is not pretty. So we want to be able to reach that age, be active, be doing some of the things that I talk about in, in my book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. So you can kind of see why Gary's work uh, appealed to me and why I wanted to bring Gary to the audience. So thanks again, Gary. It was just wonderful. Oh, Ron, this has been a pleasure. I've just had a whole lot of fun talking to you and, and we're so much on the same page, which just makes it really enjoyable to do this. So thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, it's really encouraging to know that there's somebody out there who is helping people, not just with their money, but with their lives as, as they grow older, hopefully with enthusiasm. And so this has been the latest episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically and productively an achievement-oriented way. I hope you'll be downloading the podcast, rating it, telling friends about it, reviewing it, and be back next week when we have another really interesting guest. In the meantime, please visit the website, The Mental Health Gym. Please leave any comments and any suggestions for me there. And remember, uh, whether you contact Gary's website directly or go to Amazon. It's just a wonderful book that can guide you into and through the aging process, whether you retire, whether you work part-time, whether you continue to work, you can become the best version of yourself. So until next time, this is Ron Kaiser and reminding you we're still in the pandemic, so stay safe out there and we'll see you next week.